I want to read you out of Revelation chapter 5, starting with verse 6. It says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had, and they were holding golden bulls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God's persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. When I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that it is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise, honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped him. Let's just take time just to worship him. Sometimes we come and we get into this religious routine but in everything that we do today, he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our incense of adoration, praise and worship going up to him. So just begin right where you're at. Just begin to lift your voice to him. Listen, don't worry about who's on your right or left. When we get to heaven, we're going to shout with the angels and break this religious spirit that hovers over that we can't lift our voice in one accord. It will be like the roaring of a river as we lift our voice. So begin just to worship Him in your tongue, in Swahili, in English, in tongues. Begin to worship Him in spirit and truth. So Father, we worship you today. As the elders came and they bowed down in the bowl of incense of the prayers of the saints, we're being offered up to you. Lord, we're offering our prayers today. Some have come today and they are weary, they are weak, they're wounded, and they need a touch from you. They don't need a touch from the world. They need a touch from you. 
Some have come today, financially they are in desperate need of a breakthrough. Lord, we offer the prayers today for our brothers and sisters for breakthroughs. Some have come today and they have been wounded by a spouse. They have been crushed by just incredible news that is out of the pit of hell. And so we offer up our prayers to you. We're asking, Father, we're seeking, we're knocking. We're not spectators today, we're not consumers, but we are sons and daughters of you, O oh God, the Most High God, that we're calling out to you with all our hearts, that we need a breakthrough today. We need you today, Father, to answer these prayers. And that as we worship and adore you, that that aroma and fragrance is rising to the heavens and it is filling all of heaven. The prayers of your sons and daughters this morning that are calling out your name, that are seeking your face. We don't want your hand, Father. We want you to see your face. We don't want the gifts, even though they're nice. We want to behold your glory and your splendor and your majesty. We want to become undone with your greatness. We want our hearts to burn with passion for your kingdom that you've established on this earth. We're tired of mediocrity. We're tired of lukewarmness. We're tired of religiosity. We want you, oh God, the living God, that sets our heart ablaze, that sets our heart afire with something greater than just ourselves, that changes a city, a nation, a world. Lamb of God, who was slain before the foundation of the earth, you take the scroll, you take the seal, you are the one that we adore this morning. You are the one that we worship. And Lord, even though at times we don't know, even know how to express ourselves, we don't even know the right words, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would groan with sighs and groan so deep that we will never even be able to understand. Holy Spirit, you're the one that searches the deep things of the Father and you abide in us, you dwell in us, you've sealed us, you've anointed us. Speak those things of the Father to our hearts. Father, I ask today that there be breakthroughs. There's breakthroughs in families' lives. There's breakthroughs in our youth and our young adults and there's breakthrough in marriages and there's breakthrough in your church that they turn Nairobi upside down for Christ no longer satisfied with just mediocrity but Lord we desperately need you 
because apart from you, our businesses will be about mammon. Apart from you, we will seek the bottom line and not seek you. Apart from you, we will seek the pleasures of this world instead of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and simply following you. Father, if Jesus said, I can only do what I see the Father doing, then how much more does your church need to see you doing the stuff? Father, today we cry out to you. We cry out to you that you would do a deep and lasting work in our hearts, in your church. Lord, corporately, we repent where we have sinned this week, whether it's lying, murmuring, sexual sins, whether it's gossiping, whether it's betraying a brother, Lord, you see our hearts today, and corporately, you tell us to confess our sins, and so, Lord, right now, we confess our sins to you. Create in us a clean heart, a pure heart. Lord, we know that we are not perfect. We know we miss the mark every week. There's no one that is righteous in this place today or watching online. No, not one. That's why we need you. Desperately. Cleanse us that we might be your bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That we would be that church that the world looks at. And even though they may not agree, and they may even hate us, they're jealous of what we have. Our relationship with you. Our abounding love. Father, this morning, as you said in the church of Ephesus, you've forgotten your first love. Forgive us at KBC where we have forgotten our first love. And it's you, Jesus. We've put religion. We've put positions and titles. We've postured to be seen, to be noticed. And Jesus, in the meanwhile, you're in the background. Forgive us, Father. Jesus, we want you front and center at KBC. So that when people leave, they don't say, wow, Pastor Craig was great this or that, or the worship team was this and that, but when they leave, they say, wow, wasn't Jesus awesome? May you be lifted up, Jesus, and when you are, you will draw all men to yourself. So today, Father, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts and you would meet us at the point of our need and that you would expand our faith even where, as the man said to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, that you would raise and ignite that faith in us to believe that with you, nothing is impossible. We thank you, Father. We love you with all our hearts. There is no one 
that can change this heart like you do. There is no one that can touch us at the deepest parts of our lives like you can. And you know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you love us extravagantly. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 <coughs> well, I hadn't really planned that, uh, but God was really speaking because today I want to talk about prayer. How many of you guys ever struggle with prayer? Okay, how many of you struggle with lying? <laughs> you know, if, if prayer was easy, everyone would do it. But we have to die to ourselves. We have to believe that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. And we have to trust him even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, we have to pray. So two weeks ago, TC began talking about anxiety. And this last year, I mean, it's like a roller coaster. You know, it's been up and down. There's been good times. There's been bad times. There's been times we don't know what's going to happen. We get this news, and then it changes the next day. I mean, it, it's really been up and down. But there's been one constant in it all, and that is the Lord. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift like shadows. He's a constant. And then the following week I talked about how do we walk in perfect peace in the midst of the storm? And we looked out of Isaiah 26 about that he gives us perfect peace. Even in the midst of this pandemic, and even in the midst of the false news, fake news, all the stuff that's going on, we can have perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And he says he'll give us that perfect peace whose mind stayed on him. That's our first criteria. The second is those who trust him. We have to trust that God is a more sure word than our bank. If you looked at your bank account lately, it may not be a more sure word. But we have to trust that God is a more sure word even when we don't feel it and when we're not seeing it, that God's word is true and that his promises are yes and amen for all of us as believers. It's hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But this is what it, I believe part of what Paul says, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's the part of our life where God never promised us a rose garden. He never promised us that everything would be a piece of cake, that we would have a bling bling, we would have the big cars, we would have the big house. God never promised that. But God did promise to meet all of our needs according to his riches. Amen? He says in Matthew 6, if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things, what's the other things? It's not the bling bling. You guys have been sold a bill of goods. 
You think that's going to bring happiness and that having the bling bling means that you have the blessings of God. That's a lie. Because the Bible says he who desires to live a godly life will be what? Persecuted. Suffering is a part of the gospel. It's not health, wealth, and the prosperity way. I'm sorry to disappoint you today. But we've bought a lie and we've lived a life of ease and comfort and God has called us to be soldiers. He's called us to be radical. He's called us to not go the way of the world, but go the way of the kingdom of God. He's called us to march to a different drumbeat. And yes, the world hates it. Yes, it's not what the world is doing. But this place that we live in is temporary. We're just passing through. As believers today, our citizenship is in heaven. And we walk according to the laws and the word of God in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 and also Luke 11. Last week, T.C. led us in what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Actually, I believe it is the disciples' prayer. But we've always just said it's the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Luke 11, verses 1 through 3. Luke tells it a little bit different. It's not a conflict. It's not a discrepancy. It's like when two people look at something, there'll be two different ways of describing that. Both are true. So Luke says it this way. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to them, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. What I want you to see, even before the birthing of the church, prayer was an integral part of everything they did. Prayer was an integral part of the Jewish family. It was an integral part of the tabernacle and coming together. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he didn't do away with prayer, but he enhanced prayer and began to teach us how do we really pray. He said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins for we have forgiven everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So, most of us like a formula, okay? If we could say eight ways to have a powerful prayer life, you guys would be taking notes. And then you guys would do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And in those eight steps, you would expect God in every step to do what you were praying. Are you with me? Because we are like that. Just show me 
what I need to do and I'll do it. Uh, the church I came from, we used to have fill-in-the-blank sermons. So I'd have my sermon, but sometimes, if you know me, I don't always follow my notes, and I used to drive those people crazy. They would come up afterwards and they said, Craig, you missed five blank spaces. I said, I did it on purpose so that you'll listen to what God's saying. But we're all like that. I mean, go online, Google and Amazon, uh, Steps for Effective Prayer, and you will find multitude of books. Three steps to have a dynamic personal life. Four steps to have the victorious prayer life. 27 steps. You go on. It's on there. It's on there. So here's what they're saying. If you do these steps you're going to have a successful prayer life. Okay? So Larry Lee was a pastor in Rockwall, Texas, at Church of the Rock. And he came out with a teaching, which at the time for me was very good. It was how to pray for one hour. And maybe some of you have heard it, but the whole teaching was how to teach you to pray for one hour. And the goal was to teach you to pray for one hour. So once you went to an hour, you know, 101, you could stop. All right? It was done. And the culmination of a successful prayer life is that you pray for an hour. Okay, so it's okay, it's cool. How many of you have prayed for an hour? Let me see your hands. All right, God bless you. How many of you have prayed for two minutes? All right, there we go. The goal is that we pray. Amen? See, we love formulas. We love it when, okay, if I pray one hour, and then he was also saying you need to get up early. And I'm convinced, now this isn't scripture, but I'm convinced God is not up at 5 a.m., all right? <laughs> That's just my opinion. How many of you are morning people? God bless you. How many of you are not morning people? <laughs> okay. So, but the teaching was you need to get up at five because it does say Jesus got up early and went out to pray. Again, we like to make that a formula. We say, okay, if I get up early, God's going to bless me. We start praying, God, I love you. Jesus, you're awesome. And we zonk out. Is that not true? How many of you have fallen asleep when you've prayed? All right. So, so what I did is I took that whole manual. I devoured it. So another guy in my church, we said, okay. I told him, I'm going to start praying at 5 in the morning. And he said, can I come over to your house and pray with you? Which I thought that was pretty cool, until he showed up at the door at 5 a.m. <laughs> knocking. And so we began to pray. And we began to pray the Lord's Prayer, going down. And it became ritual and rote. And what I think Jesus is trying to tell us, it's a pattern. How do you connect with God? God wants us to connect through prayer. 
It's not a religious format where you say, okay, now I'm going to fold my hands, bow my head, and close my eyes. Where does that say that in Scripture? But I was taught that growing up, that if you're really going to pray, even I remember in Sunday school, our Sunday school teacher, you know, many of us were looking around as kids. And she said, you need to close your eyes. Have you guys been there? And you need to bow your head. Well, there's times all throughout Scripture they were standing. David prayed laying on his bed. I think that's the model prayer. <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty good. But see, we, we like to get into a, a form, some religious thing, than a relationship. So the first thing is it's personal. Our relationship in prayer is personal. When we make it religious, we don't connect. So before I came, as your pastor at KVC, I was a missionary, and I traveled a lot to different parts of the world. And so sometimes I was gone from Pam two, three, four, even five weeks. So when I came to the airport and she was at baggage claim, I didn't go up to her and I said, hey, Mrs. Looper, how are you doing today? Well, Mr. Looper, I am doing good. I have missed you so much. You know what I did? I, mwah, 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 mwah. I hugged her. This was before COVID. <laughs> I didn't have a mask on. I wouldn't have a mask on now if I'd been away from her three weeks. Why? Because we are one. Because we have a relationship. It's not form. It's not something religious that we do. It is because we've met Abba. Because we've met Father. Because we've encountered the Lord God Almighty. And our hearts have become changed and renewed and transformed because of this relationship. It says, our Father, it's got to begin with a living relationship. Let me ask you a question. Do you know him? I didn't ask, did you know facts about him? But do you know him? Do you know him? Have you experienced him as the great shepherd? Have you experienced him as the healer? Have you experienced him and know him as that provider when you had nothing and all of a sudden he provides? So he says, our father, he's your and my father. He's Abba. He's daddy. He's Baba. Yes, he is the Lord God Almighty, and we're going to look at his name. Yes, he's to be revered like with the elders and the angels. We will bow before him. He is to be exalted. But yet God loves us so much that he says, I want an intimate relationship with you. When he formed Adam and Eve, they became the object of his affection. We became the object of his affection because he wants a relationship with you.
See, the problem is we've been taught that God is angry and he's ready just to beat you and whip you every time you make a mistake. Make no mistake, he will correct us. He disciplines us out of his love, not out of his anger. His love is everlasting. His love was for us first. We didn't even love him first. And so he, that relationship with him. Now I want to just, there's over a hundred names of God. So I promise you today we'll not be going through all of them. But I want to share some names of God. Many of you know them. But there is God as Jehovah. That he is the independent one. He is self-complete being. He says, I am that I am. And when we come in contact, when we encounter Jehovah, our response is to bow our knees. You see, the angels, the elders, came in contact with Jehovah God. Then there is God, Jehovah Makadish. That means that God who sanctifies. God separates. He cannot be tainted at all with any sin or any uncleanness. So his heart for you and I is that we are sanctified. That we are set apart. That's his character and nature. He doesn't want us to be polluted by the world. He wants us to be separated from the world. Yes, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. There are many Christians that build their high walls and they say, let's just get in our holy huddles. Let's just get in our little groups. Let's withdraw from the world. Let's not be light in darkness. Let's just have Bible studies. Let's just sing Kumbaya. Let's light candles and sway. And God said, you're not of the world, but I want you in the world. I want you to be light in your businesses. I want you to be light in your neighborhood. I want you to be light in the government. I want you to be light in the media. I want you to be light in your schools. I don't want you uh, retreating. I want you advancing. But in the midst of it, I want you set apart because I'm set apart. God is infinite. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This blows my mind. He has no beginning. Well, what was he doing before he created the earth? He was just there. Think about, all of a sudden smoke will start coming out of your ear. He was there. Our God is infinite. That's why he's not bound to any governmental structure. He's not bound to any religious structure because he was infinite. He was before time and he'll be after time. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Just think about it. In that time before there was anything, he spoke and the world came into being. Wow. That's phenomenal. That's powerful. I wouldn't mind having a little bit of that powerful when I'm telling Pam when I speak. She knows. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell her I said that. Everything 
God is good. Is that true? You know, we always say God is good. God is good. He is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. He is a good, good Father. God is love. And we know this. But that's who He is. That's the essence of who our Father is. He cannot stop loving you. Think about that. God can't stop loving you. It's not in his nature. Can he be mad? Yeah, God has wrath. But God is love. He first loved us. You know what? I say this many times, but God has never had a negative thought about you. How many of you have had a negative thought about yourself? Many times. Because if we understand his true nature, that he is love, but in love comes correction. It's not a willy-nilly, mushy-gushy love. It's a love that has substance to it. God is Jehovah Jireh. This is the God that provides. How many of you can give a testimony of God's provision? Let me see your hands. Okay. So the end of each month, we're given testimonies. I just saw all your hands, so you're going to give testimonies. You think I'm kidding. We've, we have experienced God's provision in our lives. Pam and I, over the 40-some years, have many testimonies of the incredible provision of God when it didn't look like it was even possible. And so God is... Jehovah Jireh. God is Jehovah Shalom, and last week I talked about it. God is peace. Peace, even in the midst of chaos, is a confidence that God will do what he says he will do. There's a confidence that his nature and his character we can go to the bank on today. God is just. He's righteous. He's holy and fair, whether you or I say he's not. Over the years of doing counseling, something happens to a family, an individual, and one of the first things they say is God is not just. He's not fair. God's not bound to our logic. God's not bound to our ways. Matter of fact, Isaiah 55 says his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But our God is just. He's holy. He's holy. There is no imperfection in our Father. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God that what? What does Jehovah Rapha mean? He's the God that heals. The Bible says he is the same yesterday and he heals. Does everybody get healed? Ultimately, yes. Does everybody get healed in this, on the earth? No. I've had many, many friends die of cancer. I've had many people that I know had heart attacks and they passed away. But God heals. God is our healer. 
but he's not bound to your formula of healing. Please hear me. Please listen to this. Because you've been taught that this formula plus this formula plus this formula equals healing. And I can tell you in over 45 years of ministry, God's not a formula. And healing's not a formula. It's a person. It's our God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does he want to heal? Okay, one person. Does God want to heal? Yes, it's part of his nature. But sometimes God does healing way different than what we think or expect. God is Jehovah Nissi. I was thinking of Nissi. Uh, I saw Martin this morning, but uh, Nissi in our church, it means he's our banner. It's under him that we rally under. That's who we move and live and have our being. And there's scriptures with all these two that I can send you. He's El Shaddai. It means God is almighty. He's Elohim. He's strength and he's power. Those are just a few of his names. But it's more than just saying I know the names. It's knowing him as Elohim. The Lord God Almighty. The God of power and might. So it's personal. Secondly, there's purpose in our prayer. Many times over the years, people go, how do I pray? What do I pray about? And I believe Jesus has given us an example when you're praying. Pray according to God's purposes. When we pray according to God's will, we have what we ask for. John tells us that. It says here, his kingdom come, his will be done. You see, when we pray his kingdom come, his will be done, it eliminates all of my will and what I want to do. When you pray with an honest heart, and there's times I've prayed my will and what I want, my agenda, many times. But when we pray and as we're coming to God, we're praying, Lord, your will, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom. Not the world's kingdom, but your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane he said, whoa, if I could have this cup pass from me, if I could do it another way, I would do it another way, but nonetheless, not my will, not what I want, not my agenda, but your will be done. Your purposes be done. And then the second is that we pray on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the disciples were teenagers, most of them. And they thought Jesus was coming to establish an earthly kingdom where the Jews were going to reign and rule over the Romans. They were going to kick can. They were going to be the ones in charge of everything. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this earth. It's a heavenly kingdom. And so when we're praying, we want God's kingdom to come into our families. We want God's kingdom to come into our businesses and invade by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want God's kingdom to come when we're in the marketplaces. 
We want the kingdom of God to come when we're on the sports fields or wherever we're at. We are praying, your kingdom come, God. It changes the mindset. I'm not just here on this earth to do what I like and what I want. I'm here to fulfill the purposes of God and to walk out his kingdom. And your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So everywhere we're going, whenever you're praying, when you get up tomorrow morning or tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, you're saying, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done right here, right where I'm at, in my home. I want the kingdom of God to bless my family. I want my youth to know what the power of God looks like. I want them to know what suffering looks like. I know many of you are real excited now. But really, that's what we're praying. We want the kingdom. We don't just want to go through life willy-nilly. We want to go on point and with purpose. And so he says, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth and heaven. Now, the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. Yes, the kingdom of God is now. Where the church is, the kingdom of God is there. Wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. The church witnesses about the kingdom of God. That's why it says in the Gospels, Jesus went about preaching the kingdom. And where the kingdom is, there's healing, there's salvation, there's restoration, there's provision. But we have to believe that, that God wants to do that just not on Sunday. He wants to do it every day of our lives. And so the kingdom is now, but it's not fully manifested yet in full power. But when Jesus comes back, we will rule and reign with Jesus. I'm kind of excited about that. There's some devils I would like to kick, you know. But we are now praying, God, your kingdom come. You see, it's a mindset. If all you think about the things of the world, you'll never be kingdom advancing. If all you're thinking about is getting more money, bigger cars, houses, prestige, titles, all those things that lead to a dead end, they're all going to burn up anyway. You're never going to advance the kingdom. You're never going to witness at your jobs. You're never going to share Jesus. You'll be a Christian that will come on Sundays clap, raise one hand, and maybe say a hallelujah, praise God, then leave. But when we are praying earnestly every day, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, then we begin to take steps to advance it. Next, number three is provision. Notice, he says, give us today, today, how many of you need provision today? Let me see your hands. You can pray in accordance with God's word. He says, give us today. Why not pray God yesterday? Because it's gone. Why not pray God tomorrow? Because it's not here. Because God's grace is for now. 
God's grace is for us now. Not for yesterday because it's gone. Not for tomorrow because it's not here. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have enough issues in and of itself. That's why Lamentation says his mercies are what? New and fresh. When? Every morning. So when I wake up, guess what? I got fresh mercies. You got fresh mercies. You got an abundance of grace. You say, God, I need a lot of mercies and grace today. He goes, I got it for you. And so when we pray, pray today. Here's, in, in years of counseling, people that are going through issues, they're always looking six months down the road, eight months down the road. What ifs? What if this? What if that? The Bible calls that vain imagination because it's not here yet. But we know that today he's right with us. We know God's grace is for us today. If you need provisions today, God's grace is there. Ask him. Did you realize this? God wants you to ask more than what you want to ask. Let me say that again. God loves it when you ask him more than you do in even asking. And a matter of fact, most of us, oh, I've already asked God that. How many of you have said that? Don't raise your hands. Oh, you know, I'm, you know, I don't want to bother God. Really? Have you ever thought God ever had that thought? Well, I wish Tom wouldn't have prayed this morning, but I guess I'll go ahead and answer him. No, he loves it when you come to him. Like many of our fathers, if we'd come to him, we would be shooed away. But our Heavenly Father isn't like that at all. And then pardon, number four. It says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. The Bible says that we need to confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all righteousness. There is a demonic teaching in the body of Christ that says you don't have to confess your sins. That once you're saved, that's it. You don't have to do anything else. You see, the confession isn't for God. It's for us. It's so that we'll have a contrite heart, a humble heart, so we don't become arrogant and proud. But here's where the practicality of praying in our prayer lives Lord, forgive me for, and name your sin. Don't be general. God, I sinned this week. God knows that, but be specific. If you lied, say, God, I lied. If you stole money, say, God, I stole money. Then once you pray that, go take the money and take it back to where you stole it. That's the true evidence of repentance. But here's where the practicality of prayer, it says, and forgive those that have sinned against me. It's very easy for us to pray, Lord, forgive me for this sin. It's very difficult to say, forgive that person that just ripped me off. That person that just said all this stuff about me. You see, and it didn't say, forgive them, and if they say, okay, it's all good. Their response is immaterial. Do you hear me? 
If we've been forgiven, there is no way that we should ever hold unforgiveness towards anybody else. Now we do, and that's a part of growing and walking in our faith, but that's the part of pardon. He pardons us so that we can let others go. How many of you have been, uh, been uh, hurt by someone? Okay. How many of you have been hurt by another Christian? Usually most hands go up on that. You know, my greatest wounds haven't been the world, it's been the church. And I had to learn how to forgive even when they didn't want forgiveness because it's not contingent on the other person, it's contingent on you obeying God's word. Amen? Then the last thing is a pathway. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First Peter says the, the lion, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. It's real. It's tangible. If you want stories, I can tell you weekly of stories of the devil devouring people that you know, people that you love. And that's why we don't walk down the path of the way of the world, but ask God to uh, walk us down the path of righteousness. That's why we stand steadfast in the midst of this time. So if you want to know how to pray, just pray, not in rote, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God may have you begin not with our Father. He may have you begin by saying, I forgive Bob. He may have you begin saying, God, I need your provision today, your mercy, your grace. If we make it a formula, we miss him. When we make it about a pattern instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us in our prayers, when we do that, our prayers will be effective and powerful. Many times when we pray, and a lot of times if I'm in a group, and I'll say, okay, this is what we're praying for specifically. Because inevitably, you have like an auntie that will pray, dear God, thank you for the blue sky today. Thank you that the birdies are chirping today. Thank you that there's no matatas out today. There's no boda bodas. And those aren't bad prayers. But there are times when we're praying specifically. Those are general prayers. But God wants us as believers to pray specific prayers because when you pray specific prayers, you get specific answers. And God answers those prayers. God is a God that answers our prayers.